You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Morning, good to see you. Let's keep going. There's people here visiting. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Good to see you. Well, how you doing this morning? You good? Great. Fantastic. Hey, did you enjoy last week with Pastor Glenn? Wasn't that good? Are you all inspired now? You all got goals? Do you all have a, have a vision board? Yeah, are we all going to Harvard now? Is that what we're doing? Three people, fantastic. That was, fan- that was so, so good. Hey, uh, next week, you don't want to miss next week. Uh, we have another friend of mine coming. Two guest speakers in three weeks. How good are you? We have another friend of mine coming. His name's Shane Willard. And uh, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, Pastor Shane is one of the uh, foremost uh, Bible scholars in the world. And uh, he's going to be here with us next week. This guy... This guy shares things in a scripture where you go, man, I see it, but I didn't see it. And uh, I just know he's, he's, he's going to bless you. So much of my life has changed because of this man. I've been hearing him preach for probably 15 years. And there's things that I say that come from him. Um, you know, things that I've caught that, that, that he talks about that I've caught. And I've gone, you know what, that's just changed my life. I'm going to steal that. That's my mantra for my life now. And, uh, you know, he might say things and you'll go, Pastor Tim says that. <laughs> you know why? Because uh, this guy's just a great friend. He's a great encouragement for myself. But this guy just unpacks the scripture like nobody else. And we have him next week. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be really, really good. Also coming up in the life of our church in two weeks' time is my first AGM. Oh, wow. That was, that was more than what I thought would happen. <laughs> I thought everyone would go, what does AGM stand for? What is, what is that? And so we have our AGM in two weeks' time. And uh, so information will come out on all of our socials and things like that um, re- regarding that. Hey, if you're a member, please come out. You know, not just because it's my first one, but, um, you know, we're going to spend time in prayer. We're, you know, we're going to pray for our church, pray for our city. We're going to spend time in praise and worship and just worshiping God and thanking Him. And, uh, you know, then I just want to bring a word just, just for our church and, uh, you know, what God is doing. And then I'll bring a report from our board to our members because, uh, you, know, you know, we value the membership of our church. And so if you want to become a member, you can come and uh, check it out and uh, fill in a membership form if, if you want. So that's coming up. AGM, yeah. What do we get from being a member of this church, you ask? Well, you, know, you get 10% off all of the, our free coffees at the end of the service. Okay. And so that's, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, uh, if you sign up this coming week, uh, Pastor Brett will sign one of his socks and we'll get that to you. And so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Every week you get a car park here at Centro Church. You know, you just pull into a car park and that one's yours. It's really, really cool. And so that's what you get for membership at Centro Church. That's no, good. Hey, let me just say this though, in a nutshell, you know, as a church, we are growing, which is good. You know, um, last week uh, was, was one of the first times that we saw all areas in our church increase in comparison to last year. You know, so last, last week we had a you know, good crowd here at Collingwood Park at our other location. We had a good crowd. Youth is, is growing. Our young adults has pretty much doubled. Um, you know, things in our church are growing. Isn't that good? God is taking us somewhere, right? We're moving. We're, we're seeing momentum. And that's what I want to talk to this morning. I want to talk to that today. I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the last couple of months talking about the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Ghost. Have you enjoyed that? I've loved, you know, talking about what, is it, what changes in me when I'm full of the Holy Spirit? You know, what changes in my home and in healthy homes? What, how, how does my home change when my home is full of God, when God lives in my house? 
You know, this month we've been talking about, you know, what changes in our community when our community is full of God, you know? And we're going to continue that uh, next, in two weeks' time, we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're starting a new series called Ghost Stories. Anyone like some ghost stories? Who did ghost stories when they were younger with the torch? Pastor Mark and Pastor Brett, they're going to uh, kick that off in two weeks' time. You know, Jesus spoke in stories, spoke in parables. And so we're going to look at what Holy Ghost stories are in the Bible, what ghost stories are in the Bible? We're going to look at that and, and, and just uh, you know, hope that that inspires us more and more. But I don't know about you, but the more I find the Holy Spirit relevant and moving in and through my life, the more I just want to give Him away. The more I want to give God away. The more that I get of God, the more I want to give God away. And I find opportunities to give God away. You know, and that's what this today is about. That's what this month has been about. It's about, you know what? Let's this year be full of the Holy Spirit so that in our next season, so that next year, we've got lots to give away. We've got something of God inside us to give away to those who need it. As I was preparing for, for today, I felt the Lord gave, gave, uh, gave me a picture. And it was a picture of, you know, when you were younger, you had the toy car that you would pull back. And as you pull it back, there was tension in the back wheel. Then when you let go, poof, you know, the car just takes off, you know. I felt, I saw that picture and I felt the Lord say that, you know, the Holy Spirit is pulling us back and we're being tensioned with the things of the Spirit. We're spending time where we're being tensioned with the things of God and God is creating almost like a momentum to be released inside of us. Then there's going to come a moment where the Holy Spirit will release us as a church and we're going to step into things as a church. We're going to step into schools. We're going to step into certain community events. And the God is going to release us in power and authority through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's our future. And so I want to come back to Jeremiah 33, 6 to 9. And I know that this has been our foundational scripture this week. I was talking with uh, Pastor Brett and Pastor Mark, who is our other uh, campus pastor at our Collingwood Park location. And I just, you know, I feel that this scripture isn't just for this month. I actually feel that this thing and I'm praying more over it, but I feel like this scripture is going to be like our five-year mantra. It's going to be our five-year plan. That nevertheless, right, God's going to bring peace and prosperity into our city. That nevertheless, God's going to heal the wounds of our city. That nevertheless, God is going to bring a time when Jerusalem's wounds are healed. And God's going to bring peace and prosperity to the city. Who's believing for that, right? So this is our foundational scripture. And I'm praying this, that this church would be a place of healing. We're going to finish on this, actually, because I believe that when we give healing, God gives us healing, right? That as we give, God gives, right? And I'm believing that we're going to live in the overflow. That not, not only are we going to see people healed and wounds you know, healed in their city, but I'm praying that this church would be known as a church of healing. That this church would be known that when you go to Centro Church, wounds are healed. Relationships are restored. Wisdom is given. Man, those people, there's something about them. You know, that's what I'm believing for. So nevertheless, the time will come when God will heal your wounds and heal the wounds of our city and give it prosperity and peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. 
Then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good that I do for my people, and they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity that I provide for them. Here's the thing, guys. God is in the business, right, of taking things that seem bad and lost and gone and hopeless and turning them into something that's found and here and good and hopeful, right? So many times in Scripture, God takes something that seems broken and desolate and makes it fixable and thriving. And so today for us as a church, it's about stepping into that nevertheless moment that God is calling His church into. And so what I want to do is I want to just read a short story from the Bible, something that happened. And in this moment, God does a nevertheless moment. And so I want to take four points from this story, four key things that happened in this story that created a nevertheless moment to happen amongst the people. Is that good? And so we find it in John 5, uh, sorry, in John 6, 5 to 12. Just before we read it, let's just pray. Lord, I thank you that we can open up your scripture today. And I pray that as we read it, that we wouldn't just see words on the paper, but Lord, we would see your heart, that we would see an intentional God wanting to reach out to a city. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would solidify this in our lives, that we would rise up as the church that you intended us to be. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen. Have you watching online? So good to have you here with us today. And uh, we love you and we're glad that you're here uh, with us participating this morning. John 6, 5 to 12 says this. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. Everyone say testing. For he already knew what he was going to do. Isn't this cool? Jesus knew what he wanted, but he was testing his disciples. He was testing his people. Philip replied, even if we work for months, Jesus, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew spoke up. Any Andrews here today? No, okay, we need to get some Andrews in the house because they speak up apparently. Andrew spoke up and said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is is that with this huge crowd? Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. You can kind of hear the the tension. Just get everyone to sit down, guys. Watch this. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes, right? 5,000 men just in count. So probably between eight to 10,000 people here, right? At this church meeting. Of this community gathering. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. They all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Today, I want to speak to the thought the power of a lunchbox. The power of a lunchbox. Do you remember in school? You know, you would have your lunchbox, but there was always that kid that had a better lunchbox than you, right? Remember that kid had all the good stuff in his lunchbox? I'm the eldest of six boys, right? For 18 years, my mum had to make lunches for six kids going through school, right? Who knows that uh, when you're uh, making lunches six times a day for five days a week, who knows that those lunches have to be healthy, they have to be simple, and they have to be replicatable. Who knows that? Right? There's no way my mum is making six different lunches five days every day, five days a week. So in my lunchbox was great things like, you know, a jam sandwich 
or a Vegemite sandwich, right? Who doesn't like a good Vegemite sanger every now and then, right? There was a piece of fruit, you know, because we're healthy. There was a muesli bar, right, to keep our bodies in, in good. You know, and there was always something special, which really meant that there was something random in the cupboard that mum just needed to get rid of that went in the, in the, in the, in the, in the lunchbox. And that was my lunch for 12 years of my schooling life. But there was this kid in my class named Mitchell. He was an only child from a very well-to-do family. In Mitchell's lunchbox, he had things like this. He had... (laughs) You know, he had the roll-up. Remember the roll-up? Remember that flat piece of fruit? It was really just a flat piece of sugar. But remember that flat piece of fruit? It was all sticky, right? He had the roll-up. Man, I never got a roll-up. Like, far out. Uh, in, in, in Mitchell's lunchbox was, was, he had a sandwich, but on his sandwich, he had stuff on it. He had, like, chicken. He had chicken on his sandwich. This guy had, like, ham. He had, like, like pepperoni and salami. Like, he had, like, this was, like, premium sandwich. Uh, in his lunchbox, he had things like, um, do, you, do you remember Yogo? Remember Yogo? It was like a chocolate custard thing, right? He had yogos in his lunchbox. Like, that's so, so good. And so who knows that his lunchbox had power and, and influence? Because as soon as the bell went for lunchtime, right, it was whoever could get to Mitchell first to start trading, they were the ones who were going to get stuff out of that lunchbox, right? And so you would go, Mitchell, I've got five Vegemite sandwiches for a week if I can just have the roll-up, Right? But you had to be the first one there. And so we're all trading, you know, for roll-ups and yogos and chicken sandwiches. I'll give you everything. I'll give you my lunch for the whole year just for your ham sandwich, please. <laughs> you know, Mitchell's lunchbox had power and influence because what was in it? In this story here, we see a young boy who has a lunchbox. And what's interesting is that this lunchbox has authority, it has power, and it has influence, right? And so what I want to do is I want to show you four moments in this story. Four moments that create a nevertheless moment. Four things that happened for Jesus to, despite the circumstances, right, despite what was happening, despite the hunger of the crowd, right, regardless of what was happening, four things happened that allowed Christ to do a nevertheless moment. So I want to pull these out for you, is what we're going to be doing this morning. And then we're going to give in an offering, and we're going to prepare a lunchbox for God so that next year we can see Jesus do some nevertheless moments for our church. Amen? Amen. Number one, John 6 verse 5, it says as it says that Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. If we want to see God do a nevertheless moment in our city, if we want to see God heal, if we want to see God uh, do something just spectacular in the city of Ipswich, the first thing that needs to happen is we need to have vision. We need to have vision. Jesus saw the crowd of people coming to look for him. Breakthrough comes when we have Vision. That was not very visionary. Breakthrough comes when we have vision, right? Jesus had vision. It says that Jesus, it doesn't say that Jesus was with the crowd. It doesn't say that he was a part of the crowd. It says that he saw the crowd. Who knows that when you're a part of a crowd, crowds do funny things. You know, when, when, when crowds are hungry, they riot. You know, when crowds are hungry, they, they make strange decisions. Jesus wasn't a part of the crowd. 
You know, God is not calling us to be a part of the crowd, right? He's not calling us to be a part of our community and to live with the same problems that are in our community, right? We're called to live at a greater life, right? Yeah, do you believe it? We're called to live in the power of God, in the righteousness of God, right? We don't live in the crowd. We do live in our community. Jesus was in the crowd. It says that he was outside and he could see the crowd coming. Jesus had vision. He had vision to look beyond the numbers and see the needs and desires of the people. It says that he saw them coming, looking for him. Jesus is calling us as a church to see the needs of our community. We're not called to come here every Sunday just to be a part of some kind of community event, being part of a crowd. But we're called to have influence. We're called to do something by Jesus. We're called to be a part of a great commission. What that needs, though, is a church that can see what Jesus sees. We need to have vision and see what Jesus sees and see what needs are in our community. We need to be able to see people. As a church, we have to have a vision where we can see the needs of our people, us and our community. There's an um, Aboriginal um, nation called the Yulungu Nation up in Bawaka, which is up in Arnhem Land. And in the Yulungu language, there's no word for stranger. It doesn't exist. There's no word for it. Uh, there's a great documentary called Tales by Light on Netflix. Uh, season three, episode five and six. This is episode, th- th- this is episode six. You can check, uh, check it out. They interview a, 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 a man by the name of Juwait uh, Jewel, and uh, he talks about it. There's no word for the word stranger. Everyone who comes into that community is seen. They are seen. They are someone. Have you ever been in a crowd and you feel like you're the only one there? Isn't that a strange thing? To be a part of so many people yet just feel like you're alone. But in this, in this community, no, no, they see you. How cool is that? Jesus is showing us here that we need to have a vision where we can see people. Where we can see the needs of our community. And here's the thing, we're not going to be a church that is amongst the crowd, yet we feel like we're the only people here. No, no, no. We're going to be away. We're going to see, we're going to have vision, and we're going to see people's needs. And we're going to see if we can be the answer to their prayer. Amen? That's what it is, right? That's, and so Jesus, he has a vision. John 15, 15, Jesus says, I've called you friends. Every single person here right now, everyone listening online right now, you can be rest assured that you are not lost in the crowd. But you are friends of Christ. Friendship means that we know your name, right? Friendship means intimacy. Uh, Friendship means connection. And so here's here's what I want to say is that there should be no one who feels like they're lost in the crowd here. Because number one, Jesus knows you. But number two, we're to reflect Christ, right? And so we're to support each other. And our key role here is to tell our community, hey, you have a friend who is never changing, who is all-powerful, who knows you intimately, and he wants to see peace and prosperity in your life, yeah? Ephesians 2.19, Paul says, we're no longer strangers. There's that word stranger. We're no longer strangers. You know, I'm praying that this church is not a stranger to the community of Ipswich. I'm praying that we as a church, we as a Christian community, we as followers and disciples of Jesus, we are not strangers in Ipswich. 
I'm praying for a day when people know Centro Church. Oh, that church, I know that church, all right? <laughs> I'm praying for that day when we're no longer strangers to our community. Jesus had vision and he saw the crowd. He saw what they needed. Jesus is showing us that we need to live a life of vision, right? But here's the thing. If all we're looking at is our own needs and our own things, right, then we're never going to be a church of vision. If we're constantly just looking at our own issues and never moving beyond that, right, we're never going to see God do anything through us. Because here's the thing, right? The lens that you look through is important. How you view your world is important. See, when you look at people and circumstances through your own filter, through your own perception, we always look through the lens of self-preservation, right? If we look through the lens of our own perception, that lens is always a lens of self-preservation. And so when I'm hanging out with people, I'm making sure that I don't say things and do things that might you know, make me seem funny or you know, bad. And so I try to preserve myself. When people do things to me, I get defensive to preserve myself. Right? Circumstances happen around our life. When we are totally self-consumed and self-focused, we, took, we look through everything through self-preservation. And so we make decisions to make sure that I can preserve myself. But when we can look at people and circumstances through the lens of Christ, we always look through a lens of resurrection and restoration. And so when we're talking with people, we see them in the light of resurrection. That restoration can happen. Every circumstance that comes my way, whether it's favourable or not favourable, I look at it through the lens of resurrection. That even though things might seem dead now, through the lens of Christ, I see life. It all matters what lens you're looking at your life through. See, if you look through the lens of regret, right, you're going to see regret. But we need to look through the lens of faith, right? Stop looking through the lens of past failure and start looking through the lens of a future hope. Stop looking through the lens of it can't be done and start looking through the lens of anything is impossible in Christ. Stop looking through the lens of selfishness and start looking through the lens of selflessness, right? Let's stop looking through the lens of blame and let's start looking through the lens of ownership. Let's stop looking through the lens of excuses and let's start looking through the lens of initiative, right? Because when we can look through the lens of Christ, everything becomes resurrected and everything can become restored. But we just need to stop seeing our circumstances as truth and start seeing truth through Jesus' perspective. Amen? Come on. <laughs> as a church, Jesus has given us vision. We've talked about it all month, right? We know what, we're, what we want to do with what we raise today, right? We know what we want to do. We see the needs in our city, and that's what we're going toward. Number two, John 6, 9 says this. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Number two is this. If we want to see God do a nevertheless moment in our city, number two, preparation has to happen. There needs to be a moment of preparation. Who knows that before this boy comes with his lunchbox, who knows that there's hours beforehand something else is occurring? Who knows that before this story, hours beforehand, someone is preparing a lunch? Right? Hours before this story, someone has a vision. And the vision is that someone's going to get hungry today. 
I better make a lunch, right? I better pack a lunchbox. So there's a story before the story, right? There was a moment of preparation before the lunchbox even gets to Jesus. And that moment of preparation is what causes momentum for Jesus. Jesus magically didn't just conjure up a boy. A boy, lunchbox, there we go, you know. Jesus didn't just go around, you know, fish for you, fish and chips for you, you know. Uh, 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 you know, he didn't do that, no, no, no. Somebody prepared beforehand and that preparation not what well, they had a vision that someone was going to get hungry, but that preparation caused Jesus momentum because somebody had prepared. This moment right today is about us preparing for later on because we see a city hungry for God. They just don't know it, right? We see a city hungry for healing. We know that. We see a city thirsty for something new and fresh. But God's saying, Will someone not prepare so I can move, right? Will someone not prepare so I can move? You know, uh, I think it was Zig Ziglar said, leadership guru guy said that success is at the crossroads of opportunity and preparation. When you have opportunity to, to, to do something, if you haven't prepared for it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> or, or at least you won't find success. Right? You can prepare and not have opportunity, you won't find success. You know, the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus is saying, there's opportunity. Heaps of it. I just need someone to prepare to be a worker. I need a church to prepare and success will come. Jesus used what somebody else had already prepared. Here's the thing. We can either prepare for God to move or make excuses why God won't move. We can't do both. Okay? And we are going to be a church that prepares for God to move, yeah? We're going to prepare for God to do something amazing. Um, here's the thing, right? The disciples, they weren't prepared. Jesus knew what he wanted to do. Jesus knew he could see the needs of the people. He knew what he wanted. But the disciples, they weren't prepared, right? The Bible says that he was testing Philip. Are you guys ready to move? But they weren't. And so Jesus uses somebody else to do something good. I'll tell you what, we aren't going to be that church that misses the miracles of God, okay? We're not going to be those people, okay? We're not going to be people that, you know, when, when Jesus wants to move, it's like, oh Lord, we don't have the resource. We don't have the people to do that. No, no, no. When Jesus says move, we want to be able to go, great, cool. We have this. We're ready. We're prepared. We know that God will multiply what we have, but nonetheless, we're ready to move forward. There needs to be a moment of preparation. If we don't, then we're left in the wake of a miracle. And we can watch other people get the miracles. And we go, oh man, it could have been us. We were prepared. We're not going to be that church, yeah? We're going to be a prepared church. Um, have you watched that show Doomsday Preppers? Has, has, has anyone seen that, Doomsday Preppers? You know, it's mostly American people who just build massive holes in the ground and bunker up because they think their government's going to take over. So they put, a, you know, 10 years worth of baked beans in a, in a big pit. Man, I tell you what, I think I'd rather a government take over than hanging out with someone who's eaten baked beans for 10 years, right, in a small cavity area far out. It's like, holy moly, I'd rather that than getting gassed out. Okay, let me just say that. Um, you know that there were preppers in the Bible. There were people who were prepping in the Bible. Noah was a doomsday prepper, right? He built the ark before the flood. 
Hello? He didn't start building when it rained. Right? No, it was years before. He heard God say, get ready. He got ready. <laughs> right? He was a prepper. Uh, David, he didn't just take one smooth stone and go out to fight. He took five. Why? Just to get ready. Who knows? You know, what if the gust of wind came and blew the first one? Of course, he was prepared to go again, right? He was ready. There's preppers in the Bible. This young boy with a lunchbox, he's the greatest prepper of all of them, right? He was prepared for lunch. He was prepared to help when he was hungry. Who knows that in the crowd of Ipswich, there's people who are hungry for some good news. All we hear today is bad news, isn't it? Turn the news on, it's bad news. Bad things happening in society. Bad things happening in, 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 in Afghanistan right now. Hey, let's pray for Afghanistan, hey, you know, pray, pray for that nation. There's bad things happening in relationships. There's bad things happening down the road. You know, there's bad things happening in my workplace. Bad things everywhere. Bad things. But who knows that sometimes we just need some good news, right? Where do you get that from? You, right? You have it because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Right, you're full of the Holy Spirit. You have that good news. Luke 4, 18 to 19 says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus and he's anointed Christ to bring good news to the poor. He's, he was sent to proclaim that people who feel like that they're captive in something are set free, that the blind will see, that if you feel oppressed in this place this morning, you can be set free in Jesus' name. That the time of the Lord's favour is upon him. I'm telling you here that when, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes onto the scene, the Bible says that your body is no longer your own, that, that you are now temples of the Holy Spirit. God changed his plan from going to see God in the temple to now people can see God through you. Because yeah. you don't go to church anymore to meet with God, right? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you and through you, right? And so this is for us. You are anointed to preach good news because God lives in you. To set captives free. To see people who are blind, you know, see miracles. To set people free. That's what you and I are called to do, church. We're anointed. And you've got to ask yourself the question, who in your world is looking for good news? Because here's the thing, you have it. Unless you're not prepared. An unprepared church is just a really good social group. But a prepared church is a community of revival. Who wants revival in this place? Who wants revival in this city, right? Number three is this. John six eleven says, Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. If we want to see God do a nevertheless moment in this city, number one, we need to get a vision. We need to get a vision and see what our city needs. Number two, uh, we need to prepare for it. We need to have preparation in this moment so that in the next moment we're ready. The third thing is this. We're going to call it distribution. Distribution. If we want to see God do a nevertheless moment in Ipswich and a nevertheless moment in this church, then we need to be a people who can distribute the good news of God. We need to be people who can distribute what's in the proverbial lunchbox, right? Other translations here says that Jesus broke bread then gave it to his disciples to distribute, right? Jesus will use his people, right? There's no way that Jesus was giving fish and chips out to 8,000 people that day, right? Who knows that Jesus had a team? Who knows that Jesus had an army, right? Uh, Who knows that there were people who were, uh, uh, Jesus was leading, right? 
kind of sounds like church, doesn't it? Right? And disciples, an army, right? Uh, Jesus had people who were distributing to the needs of the crowd. And that's what we're called to do as a church. We are the great distributors. Uh, the church really should be a, a house of distribution. This place is a distribution center. You know, uh, that's what we're called to do. This place is a place where we can come in, be filled up, be encouraged, then go back out. Right? And we distribute the favor of God. We distribute the peace and the prosperity of God. Next year, we're going to spend our attention on that. This year is all about being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the things of God. Next year is about us going, okay, now we're full of God. There's the tension of the Holy Ghost. Okay, Lord, release us. Release us into these schools. Release us, you know, into, in, into these communities. Release us so that we can bring that peace and prosperity that you talk about in Jeremiah 33, 6. Uh, the last thing is this, John 6, verse 12. It says this. It says, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. The fourth thing is this, right? If we want to see God do a nevertheless moment, number one, we've got to get a vision. Number two, we've got to prepare. Number three, we've got to be ready to be distributors, right? Dist- uh, have, having distribution of that. And number four, we're just going to call this, we're going to call leftovers. Leftovers or the overflow, okay? Uh, overflow. Uh, how cool is this, right? That there were leftovers, a boy came with a lunchbox, right? A boy came with a lunchbox that someone had prepared hours earlier. Someone put, you know, five bits of bread, you know, a little bit of last night's fish that we had. Here, son, off you go. Right, you're going to get hungry. We can see that. We have vision for that. We know you're going to be hungry. The boy takes the lunchbox that was prepared. And off he goes, and he finds himself in the situation of this big crowd and Jesus in the middle of it. And Jesus is looking for someone who has some food. This boy gives, Jesus then distributes. It then says this, it says that there was 12 basketfuls of leftovers. 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Right there is the overflow. Right there is what God does. What that's saying is this, that there's an abundance, right? When we give to God, right, he leaves us with an abundance. When we, uh, whatever we give to God, he gives us back an abundance. Who knows that the boy in the story didn't go hungry that day? He took a prepared lunchbox. The Bible says that every single person there ate until they were full, right? Do you ever have lunch and you're still hungry after it? This boy didn't do that, right? It says that every single person was full and there was still 12 baskets left over. Now, the Bible doesn't say what happened to the baskets. It just says that there were 12 of them left over. Maybe, here's some preaching license right here. You know, uh, maybe the boy took one basket home. Maybe. Maybe he left with the lunchbox and he came back with the basket. Maybe he left with the little and came back with an abundance. Maybe Jesus said, hey, take two of them. His family may have eaten for a month. Here, take a lunchbox. Mum and dad, two full baskets of fish and chips, right? 
Who knows that when we give to God, right, he gives back an abundance, right? The family probably had an abundance. People there would have taken home an abundance. You know, some of us here are praying for a miracle, you know, praying for God to do something. You know, maybe, maybe you're praying for a loved one who was, you know, once a Christian, you know, going on a different path, and you've be, be, been praying, Lord, you've been praying, God, I want to see a miracle. I want to see an abundance of salvation in my family. Maybe you're praying over your finances. You know, Lord, I want to see an abundance. You know, maybe you're praying over your workplace. Maybe you're, uh, whatever it is you, you're, maybe you're praying for healing. Lord, let me see that abundance of, that, of, of those miracles. Let me see abundance of that nevertheless. Here's the key, right? Here's the key. Get a vision for your miracle. Get a vision for salvation. Get a vision for your healing, right? Get a vision, right, for your promotion. Number two, begin preparing for it. Prepare through prayer, right? Prepare through wisdom. Prepare through making good decisions, right? Prepare by going to God. Third thing is start distributing, right? You know, if you're believing for a loved one to be saved, start talking to them about the good things of God. Don't just stand there and go, Lord, I pray they get saved one day. Lord, I pray they get saved. Jesus is there going, yeah, I'm sending you. <laughs> go, all right? They're ready. The harvest is ready. They're ready. Go, right? We need to be distributors of what we want to see. Right? If we want to see healing, right? Start speaking healing. Start speaking healing in your life. Start praying for other people, right? Start distributing what you want to see God do. Because I do believe that when we bring God something, He gives us an overflow. He gives us an abundance. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. If this boy only thought of himself and just ate his lunch and consumed his own food, there would have been 8,000 people hungry. Jesus wouldn't have had the momentum. A miracle would have been lost because someone made a decision just to have what they wanted now, thinking only of themselves. You know, we come from Mackay is where I grew up, and it's a sugar city, sugar cane everywhere. And there was three seasons in Mackay, planting season, Waiting season, harvest season. That was it. Right? That was the seasons in the city. Uh, planting, waiting, harvesting. And, uh, you know, the, the, the farmer never went straight to harvest. Never went straight to harvest season. It's just not how it works, right? Yet we think that we can have that with God. God, give me what I want now. Give me my miracle now. God, give me breakthrough in my marriage now. You know, God, give me uh, good relationships now. Lord, I want to see healing now. Give it to me, God. Give it to me. You know, is that a song? Give it to me? Oh, I don't know. They're right. I want it now, God. Give it to me now. I want breakthrough now. But who knows that there's a season of seed, right? There's a season of planting. Then there's a season of time where we're praying. There's a season of preparation. Then there's a season of distributing the water on the crops. Then there's a season of harvest. I'm praying for a harvest. I'm praying for your life. I'm praying for your family. I'm praying for our city. That our city would see a harvest of good news of Jesus. Amen. But it needs a people prepared to plant, to prepare, right? To distribute before we can see the overflow. Amen. Who's going to be that person? I am. <laughs> I hope you are too, right? Let's be people who prepare, people who 
plan. Jeremiah 39, uh, 33. Nevertheless, everyone say nevertheless. nevertheless. The time will come when I will heal yeah. Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you've heard that Jesus has your best intention at heart, that He sees you in the crowd, that Jesus, He knows what your needs are. You know, He can come true on those needs. But maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I don't want to just see breakthrough. Actually, I want to meet this Jesus. I actually want to live with Jesus. You know, I want that Christ in my heart. Like what you said, Tim, you know, that God lives in me. I want to have that. Maybe here this morning, maybe, maybe for the first time or first time in a long time, you know, you've heard that Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life, a plan to bring you peace and bring you true prosperity. If that's you here today and you're saying, you know what? I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to see Jesus do miracles in me and through me. If that's you here this morning, you're saying, Tim, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, just while all of our eyes are closed here this morning, can you just lift your hand up just where you are, just so I know who I'm praying for today. Anyone here saying, Tim, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus here. Awesome. Gentlemen up the back. Awesome. Two here on the side. Anyone else saying, Tim, please pray for me. Awesome. Up the back there. Fantastic. I want to see a miracle in my life. I want to say yes to Jesus today. Anybody else here? Just where you are, just lift your hand up. I'd love to pray for you. Cool. Awesome. On the back, fantastic. Legend. So, so cool. So good. Awesome. Cool. So, so cool. So cool. Man, I'm pumped. I'm stoked. Come on. That's six people, right? Jesus sees every single one of them. He sees you. Anyone else here? Say, Tim, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus today. Anybody else? Fantastic. What I want to do is just while our eyes are closed, if that was you that put your hand up, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'd just love for you to repeat this after me. But everyone else, we're going to say this as well. You know, we're going to say this in support of those people and we're going to say it just as a rededication for our own lives. And so as we pray, if you can just repeat this after me. And for those who put their hand up, the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you're saved, right? So we just got to believe it this morning. So just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, paying for my sins, giving me a fresh start. Today I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me for going my own way. Today I repent. Be the Lord of my life. And with all of my heart, I'm going to find out what pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's give it up for those six people who put their hand up today. That's so, so cool. So, so cool. That's awesome. Woo. That means applause in, in our Ausland, just so you know. That's why I'm doing this. Because they're, they're applauding down here, right? So, so cool. Um, hey, after the service, if that was you, um, you know, and if it was your first time, one of our team uh, will come and uh, say hello and just, just connect with you as, as well. Hey, church, this is an important time for us as, 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 as a community. Because the last three, four weeks, we've been building up to today. Now, throughout September, we're going to be in a new series, Ghost Stories, but we'll still talk about this because, you know, who knows that not everyone comes on the same day, right? <laughs> and so we're going to be just re, uh, uh, reiterating the offering over the next uh, coming month. But this is the moment for it here. 
This is a moment for us as a church to say, you know what, Lord, you've given us vision, right? We know where we want to go. We can, we see the needs of our community, right? We see the needs of our community. We know what we want to do. But right now, this morning is a moment of preparation. Right now, this morning, I really believe that we are preparing the lunchbox so that we can get the 12 baskets, right? That's what today is about. It's preparing the lunchbox so that we can create some resource as a church, create kind of like a a fund of resource, right? So that when God says move, we can move. And I'm believing that God will take $1,000 and turn it into $10,000, right? I'm believing that we're going to get $10,000 worth of value out of our thousands. Does that make sense? I'm believing that God will exponentially increase our influence of our lunchbox. But then what I'm praying for is that we get an, whoa, is that we get an overflow of salvations. What I'm praying for is that we get an overflow of people who find Jesus. We get an overflow of healing. Come on, who's believing for that? We get an overflow of wounds healed. An overflow of being people being set free. An overflow of people finding Jesus. That's what I'm believing for. That's my prayer. And I hope it's yours as well. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to go and speak at Collingwood Park now. But I do want to give you a minute just to think. I'm hoping, you know, we ask to be prayerful over this month. You know, if, if you've already prayed about it and made a decision on what you're going to give, fantastic. That's, that's great. If you haven't, that's fine. You know, I want to give, give, give you a minute where you can just sit and just, just ask, ask the Lord. Lord, what can I give to this? What can I give to this lunchbox that, that, that we're preparing? You know, um, no, I'm, I'm praying that we all get involved in this. You know, whatever you can give. You know, some people have the capacity to put lots in the box. Some people have the capacity to put lots in the lunchbox. You know, some of us have the capacity to throw stuff in. It's all good. It's all good. We're just preparing our lunchbox so that God can use it next year in an exponential way. Amen. So there's a card on your seat. Um, Pastor Brett, just in a moment, will come out and he will let you know how we're going to do this. Um, But what I want to do just right now is for us just to take one minute um, just to contemplate, just to meditate, to be silent and still and say, Lord, what would you have me put in the lunchbox today? Amen. Let me pray for you before I go. Lord, I pray for our church that uh, today would be a day of significance. That God, today would be a day of the beginning of nevertheless in our city. That today would be uh, a day of breakthrough in our lives. Would be a day of breakthrough in our families and a a day of breakthrough for our city. I pray, Lord, that as we see amazing things happen next year, God, that we can all pinpoint it back to this moment where just moments before the miracle, a church was preparing. Moments before the breakthrough, a church was preparing. And so I pray over everyone who gives today, God, over everyone who gives, who who has already given and who's going to give throughout next month. I pray, Lord, for the overflow. I pray for the leftovers, for the leftovers of salvation. Lord, the leftovers of miracles, Lord, the leftovers of healing. Lord, let them have 12 basketfuls of breakthrough. Let this church be a people of breakthrough and overcomers. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen. Hey, maybe just let's just close our eyes right now. And let's just be still before the Lord. And why wouldn't you ask, if you haven't decided yet what you're going to give, you know, 
could I encourage you even just ask right now, Lord, how can I be involved in today's preparation? Giving as always, there's a number of ways that you can give. And um, if we can have those on the screen, that would be really fantastic. Um, but if you could just assist us, if you are giving to our breakthrough offering via direct debit, or if you're using the FBOS machine that's in the foyer, if you could please mark that breakthrough just so that we know that that's what it is for, uh, because we want to be able to put that aside and be able to, to put that into uh, our, our Thank you for listening to this podcast.